0: The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, it's our and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services Inc. or the Ensign Group Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities.
1: Okay, welcome back. We're uh, we're going to be doing another podcast, and uh, one on I think what's going to be a three part series with uh, Chase and Steve, and uh, and and today we're going to be talking about uh, five conversations uh, that that really every uh, leader or we'll even call them coach every coach really should have with with the people that they're they're coaching and. And Chase, I want to start with you because, you know, I've heard you talk a little bit about role and and relationship orientation. I want to start with this, uh, and I I think it's pronounced the Milgram experiment. The, The Milgram experiment was a group of volunteers that they called teachers. They were told, and this is kind of interesting, they were told to push buttons that would inflict electric shocks of increasing intensity from mild to a potentially lethal jolt on other participants called learners. Sounds kind of cruel. But what the teachers didn't know is that the learners were all actors who weren't actually being shocked. So while many participants expressed great discomfort at inflicting apparent harm onto the learners, Milgram found that the less proximity a teacher had to a learner, the more likely they were to continue the experiment. So more than half the participants of one particular group who could neither see nor hear the writhing screams or or the writhing or the screams of agony from the learners eventually administered what would be considered a deadly voltage. But when abstraction occurs, we begin to prioritize our interests over other people's. So, So really it's the distance that we have from the person that determines how much we actually care about what they're going through. Does that make sense? Am I, do I have that right, Chase? Yes. So, Chase, talk to me about that.
2: Yeah. So, I, 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 it also makes me think of a study that Google did called Project Aristotle. They did it over five years, and the interesting thing they found is, is you know, they they did this project trying to figure out how do we build the very best team we can. Yeah. And they brought all of their brightest and smartest and put them on a team, and that did not create the best team. What they found that was interesting is that no individual skills, degrees, knowledge, predicted the outcome of the team. So there was no
1: causation statistically? Zero.
2: They found no, no ties whatsoever to individual skills to a group success. Okay. What they found that had by far the biggest impact was the psychological safety of that group. Mm-hmm. How safe they felt it within that too. group, sharing their opinions, sharing things about themselves. If they felt like everyone could talk equally and they didn't feel they'd be judged or put down or that anything, any vulnerable things they shared would be used against them, that predicted success more than anything else. And the second thing was the group really valued the relationship. There was a high social sensitivity where they valued and knew how important those relationships were. And so this it does make me think of the Milgram experiment where if you're not close to them, if I'm, if I'm doing the scheduling for CNAs, if I don't know the CNA and I don't have a relationship with them, I'm not gonna care as much if I just send them home and don't let them work that day. But if I know that person is having a hard time paying their bills, it's going to be really hard for me to send them send them home and the more people that know the more everyone's going to be pushing for that high census so that it doesn't happen to any of those people that we have relationships with
1: so you feel like you have good relationship with your with your employees right so 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 scenario uh that sounded like a leading question almost like you're on trial and I'm the attorney right so so you're uh you're on the phone with your market leader steve and a cna walks in your office to talk to you what do you do okay so this is actually one of my
2: big things uh-huh. um, i once read a book charisma I'm with that just said if you want to be charismatic all you have to do is be present powerful and warm and i feel like the less interactions you have with somebody the more careful you have to be about how you make them feel If my DON comes to my office and I'm on the phone with Steve, I'll just tell him I'll come see you in 15 minutes. Or put me on speaker. Or just say, yeah, I will put him on speaker a lot of times and just involve them. But if I have someone that I don't interact with all the time come to my office, if I'm talking to Steve on the phone, I say, Steve, I got to call you back, and I hang up. And it means so much to them. And it's genuine. I'm not doing it because I want them to feel that way. I genuinely when I have someone I don't see very often come to my office, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I get really bored with my them. other work sometimes. It's,
1: it's almost a genuine response that you have because you care about that person. If your if your laptop is open and an employee comes in, you close the laptop. And we talk about how people can tell,
2: like in leadership and deception, we can tell how people regard us. Yeah. And so when you interact with employees, they can tell how you regard them.
1: And, and that's not language, right? I mean, everybody says, oh, we're everybody's equal in the facility. But you can actually tell. I, I like that statement. You can tell how people regard you based on how. Well, I joke around with you.
2: my wife saying when I interrupt, uh, if I want to introduce myself to a group, I say, I want to tell them I'm a brain surgeon. Just so I can <laughs> watch the looks on their face or and see just, how much see they, they respect me like <laughs> You know that it would be totally different. Yeah.
0: No, but I, I mean, giving them the, that time and attention and being present there. I mean, don't you remember we had a, a review one time, Chase and I, and one of the things we talked about is being on the phone. That was, what, a year and a half ago? And, and, and it was something that he realized in himself. And, and I'll call. Mm-hmm. And he'll call me back and say, "Hey, I left my phone in my office." And I'm like, "Nice job, man! <laughs> <laughs> nice job!" Because it's so easy to stay yeah. connected all the time, and, and there's nothing more disrespectful, in my opinion, that you know when an employee comes to visit with you or solicit some feedback, and you're pecking away at your keyboard or yeah. looking at your cell phone and. That sends a message that something else is more ah, important than you. I
1: feel so guilty.
0: I, honest, I do it all the time. I, yeah. think, I think a lot of us do, and we do it subliminally, and we don't realize it. But. I got that feedback that I was doing that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Me too.
0: And I've consciously
2: tried to not be on my phone and not look at my computer. Hence the iWatch. And
0: I've realized... That's a more sly way to do it. The, the
2: building doesn't <laughs> fall apart when I'm not on my computer. that's so yeah. true. <laughs> like, I don't know why we think so important to for you. us to be on our email. And you said and it means a lot to your
1: employees. A lot. Yeah. Well, well, what's the Maya Angelou quote? She says that the people uh, won't always remember what you say or what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And right? to me,
2: this is... I, of everything we talk about, I feel like that's as key as anything mm-hmm. is if you can just be very conscious of how you're making people feel around you.
1: But sometimes we're not aware of that, right? I mean, as leaders, because as, you're distracted, we're rolling. not, yeah, probably. And, and we don't realize how we're making people feel. And and I think just bringing that more to our conscience, uh, uh, I think is going to help us as leaders. So I, uh, let's let's jump into these conversations. You talk about these five conversations that that we have with employees and and getting to know them. So your initial conversation is the first conversation. Talk to me about that one.
2: Yeah, so it's a really important conversation. It's that it's what they call the role and relationship orientation. This is where you really want to establish expectations of what the job is, how they'll interact with their fellow employees. What H-
1: how quickly do you need to have this conversation? Right away. So, so this is like, I mean, if, if you've gone a week and you haven't had this, yeah, you're, you've it failed? It depends. Is I that? mean, when yeah.
2: Jeremy, withers my DON, came to work with me, uh-huh. he came from another one of our buildings. So,
1: uh-huh. you know, another unaffiliated, an inside affiliated building. He already uh-huh. knew
2: what his role and responsibility was. We shared some specific things for our building, but it it wasn't as important as a new employee that's starting that maybe didn't know right what
1: their job But But was. for the most part, this yeah. is a conversation you need to have right away. Okay, so keep going what this is, I cut you it's, off. It's really important in that conversation
2: to get to know them, know their strengths, um, figure out how you're going to, al- going to align those strengths. This with is a their lengthy responsibilities. conversation. Yeah, usually one to three hours okay. is what they recommend. What uh, a quote from Renee Brown is, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So in this conversation, you want to be very clear. This is your job, this is your responsibilities. Basically say, this is your green and clean. This is how I would do it. You can do it however you want. I'm here to help. But this this is where you're going to be
1: held accountable. And I think
2: sometimes when we have someone new starting out, we don't want to give it all to all at once, thinking we're going to overwhelm them. But that's not very kind because we're going to judge them based off of the whole job. And so if we're giving it to them in pieces because we're afraid of overwhelming them,
1: yeah, I mean, your team will do what they know you're looking at, right? What they know you're obsessed with, that's what they'll do. If I go into a facility and customer service is phenomenal, it's generally because the leader is obsessed with customer service, right? Or if something else is is just, they, they, and you're telling them in this meeting, this is what I'm obsessed with as it relates to your job and your function.
2: But what you're obsessed with shouldn't be the methods of
0: how they
1: do that Right, <laughs> right.
0: I, I think it's important to remember too that there's some vulnerability in the leader here mm-hmm. sharing what what's most important or what the focus should be. And at the same time, you've got a unique opportunity to figure out how this employee receives praise. What's important to them? What's, what's, we talked about this love language of, Okay, we talk about the outcomes we want to get, and, and, and we talk role and expectation setting. But also, you, you can learn a lot from an employee as you're talking about these things on what motivates them. Mm. How do they receive praise? What, what gets the needle to move in their life? Those, I think that can happen in this conversation. That's
1: good, because I, I, I'm picturing this conversation as you telling them everything they need to know, and you're saying this is your chance to find out what makes them tick.
0: I think so, too. And I think it, it, it builds on itself in the other conversations that we're going to talk about. But I don't think it would be wise to not take advantage of that time to get to know him. I think
2: that, know, during that time, Steve says, and he says being vulnerable with them. They say, you know, to, to be vulnerable, you need to have trust, but to build trust, you yeah, what am I saying? You have to all, get close to them. Like I mean, you, a, you have to break down I'm that. Just, a this is <laughs> really complex. Saying it out loud. So, in order to be vulnerable, uh-huh. you have to have trust. Uh-huh. But in order to be build trust, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. Did I say that right? I don't know. You're the master here. So. But oh my gosh. It makes perfect sense to me. Makes too. sense,
1: Yoda. So, <laughs> so the hard thing is,
2: is somebody has to put themselves out there first. Yeah, that's right. True. They have right. to be willing to be vulnerable, start building that trust when they don't have that trust on their end, that it won't be used against them. And I think as a leader in this conversation, be vulnerable with yeah. them to start building that trust so that they slowly start to be more vulnerable with you. That's how Patrick
1: Lencioni says that. Well,
0: I, I think you set the tone, too, of what, what behaviors will be tolerated, that it's okay. You're safe to be vulnerable. You're safe to express what you're truly feeling uh, as the leader is doing that it will automatically reciprocate i believe
1: Chase do you have this initial conversation with all of your direct reports and and then the department heads you, you teach them to have this initial conversation with all of their direct reports is that Yeah i do not
2: i don't do this with their employees cuz it really is green and clean i had a new employee come in and they they started in their bill, in their role and another department head came in and said, "Did you tell them they have to do this this way?" Uh-huh. And I said, "What do you think?" I <laughs> said, "I've never heard you tell anyone to do anything." So,
1: so you don't rob your department heads of that leadership uh, opportunity. So, this is this initial conversation is for them to have with their employees, and you have it with all of your department heads. Yes. Okay. So, conversation number one is is this uh, this initial conversation, one to three hours really setting up objectives, finding out what makes them tick they you're opening up your mind to them and and, and there's clarity there So conversation number two is what we call the quick connect and I, I've talked with people about the Gallup at the Gallup organization and they say this one really is just a magical piece of, of the five conversations so talk about the quick connect you know the funny thing is is in the
2: book that quick connect it's people are so interested in it and in the book it takes up maybe half of a page. Yeah, it's really quick. And they actually don't go into that much detail about how to do
1: it. So what's the concept behind it?
2: The concept is is that employees hate being ignored. They hate it even more than you focusing on their weaknesses. And so if we want to be effective coaches, at least weekly, preferably daily, we're connecting with them for one to 10 minutes and checking in. Now, I have strong opinions about how this should be done. I try to never lead this conversation. I don't try to ask questions about what they're doing or how they're doing or, or trying to tell them how to do their job. I'll check in. I'll talk with them about whatever they want to talk about. So how
1: do you start the conversation? Because Steve says he doesn't like to say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, well, how, how do you tend to start Quick Connects?
2: Is I ask, hey, how are you doing sometimes? But they know that I'm not going to be okay with a good okay. They're going to have to go Okay, a lot so deeper. you have set up
1: a culture of, of prying. Like you're going to
2: open yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> HR probably hates me. But I like really to want to. <laughs> Steve tells me that sometimes talking to me is like playing 50 questions. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do want to know everything that they want to talk about. And so I talk about whatever they want to talk about. Without fail, something with, about work comes up. And I talk to them about whatever they want to talk to about there. We kind of walk through it together. Mm -hmm. And I always ask if they need anything.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I've heard some leaders say they hate asking this question because their wants and needs are never ending. That Mm -hmm. hasn't been my experience in the slightest.
1: So they're afraid to ask the question, uh, is there anything you need? Because they're worried that they're just going to start. You know, Just them a million a bunch things of- or that
0: they're going to ask me to help with something I don't want to help
2: with. Okay. <laughs> when we first took over, <laughs> yeah. like there w- yeah. there were a lot of needs. I need this. I need this. I need this. Uh-huh. They also, like Steve said, you can't take over their work for them. Yeah, you can't Bravo. because that's the whole green and clean it's theirs you're there to assist them when they need help but you're not taking over that for them
1: so one to ten minutes it's just you're going i mean this is management by walking around this is connecting with everybody there's really no ulterior motive than the connection you're not trying to uh give them a review on their job
2: yeah no no and it's a great time to give any of that positive praise we talked about I like to, I like to, I always offer help and you have to give the help. And you know what? At first they wanted a lot of help, but then the stuff that they asked for, you know, the thing that I did that probably got the most attention of anything I've ever gotten for anyone mm-hmm. is I had a CNA come in and I asked if they needed anything. And she said, you never have Snickers in your candy jar.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And an hour okay. later I had Snickers in my candy jar. And it was through the whole building. She said they didn't have Snickers in the candy jar, and then Chase got Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and that's what makes me so great. <laughs> 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 that's, that's the awesome. secret to everything <laughs> I do.
1: It is. It is these small things, right? But I mean, it's not obviously. Now you should write a book. Well, you, it's you, not about the Snickers. Right? You know, it's
0: five management languages. Snickers is coming out soon. No, I I think of. Um, we can do this as administrators or directors of nursing or service center personnel. But where, where I struggle, or at least where my mind goes, is how do you get an, an IDT to do this? Uh-huh. Because that, that's what we've by discovered. It takes
1: a lot of time,
0: right? 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 This for they, you, for them? Clay, we, we discovered one of the things that we noticed with our rally cries, we really started to dissect it with our objectives is is we coined um, we labeled this objective called the culture gap, mm-hmm. and basically what it was is that we can go into an IDT meeting, and they all live Caplico and they all love one another and customer second, mm-hmm. and then you you go out of the room and onto the floor, and I say this all the time that it feels like you're on the surface of the moon, like it's not translating or you're in to any the other floor, facility. Yeah. right? So. So that question has been on my mind. I mean, we can talk to administrators all day long on how to do these quick connects, but how do you get an IDT to do it with their team? We talk about praise a lot, but praising that base that, I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are getting it done. Right. Um, this was something I talked with Chase the other day uh, about collaborative overload. And uh, it, it just is a concept of these these quick connects that, I have found the more you do them, the more you check in with people and you have these quick connects, the more people request your time.
1: So isn't that what leaders might be afraid of? The more they're gonna request your time and now you've got this already busy schedule and all the, I mean, Chase, do you finish your days thinking, oh my gosh, all I did today was just quick connect with people? So and and you Some didn't days I do finish like that done?
2: and I think that was the greatest day. I didn't look at my email once. So there's a paradigm
1: shift. We almost yeah. feel like this is distracting us from our real work, and you're saying this is our real work. And you know what's
2: interesting to me about the Quick Connect as I think about it is some people try to do it, and it's so awkward. I know. And I think it's, it's because it goes back to that Project Aristotle, <laughs> and it makes me wonder how safe their employees feel talking They don't. Yeah. It's like that red and And they blue, like- feel like saying anything to them is going to be can, used can you,
1: against them. So what's your advice to that person that's really struggling to naturally... I mean... I is think honestly, Clay,
0: consistency. You've got to be consistency. Get, get vulnerable with them. I, I think they'll do it three or four times and realize that's just not in my DNA, and they give up. And then it just office. reiterates that that point. Um, so just consistency. The more you get into the details, you'll you'll know when to have those types of conversations. But... Just to touch on that, back to that point of, like you said, Mm -hmm. don't leaders want more people requesting their time? I believe there can be a risk to that. Mm -hmm. Having so many people that want your time that you don't have the time to create the very things we're wanting to create here. And that's why my mind always goes back to how do you multiply the very thing that you do with people? How do you get those around you in your sphere? So for an administrator, it would be the IDT. Or cluster partners. How do you get them to do it? Because, I, I don't know, in my life, there's been times where where I've wanted, to say, attention or time with somebody who I respect, and they don't have time for me. And I know they're a good person, but they are so swamped by requesters of time yeah. that the natural thought is, well, am Just I not important? Up. Does he not think I'm important, he or she?
1: Or? So you guys are saying this really is the most
0: important. Uh, uh, there is a years study years. that shows that about 25 people having these really deep connections with, you start getting past that, it's start, some people can start to... So, that so much chase. That way. no, go ahead. Uh, I've noticed at Meadowview, me doing this,
2: it's given permission for everyone to everyone do, it. do
1: it. So and now so everybody's it. just quick connecting all around your facility. Everybody's chatting, all of these things that are going on. I imagine you're spending just hours and hours at this building then because then after you're quit connecting all day, then you actually have to do your work and you're probably not getting home till midnight every night, right?
0: <laughs> you shouldn't have asked that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I, the more time you put into these conversations, into these leaders, the less you have to do. It is. It is an initial investment of time, Mm -hmm. but once you do it, it's just so much easier. Um, I read a quote that says we can either invest a reasonable amount of time doing this type of thing or squander an unreasonable amount of time managing ineffective, unproductive, and disengaged
1: employees. So your turnover's in the teens. You haven't lost a department head in over two years. Uh, the people that you do lose, it's it's you know because they move or or you know when when that kind of minimal turnover happens, I imagine quality goes up and your job gets a lot easier. And you're saying by investing the time upfront with your people and connecting with your people, getting past anonymity and irrelevancy through these quick connects. And so initial conversation, that's conversation number one, where you're setting up the expectations and understanding how they tick. The quick connects on a daily basis, one to 10 minutes, just going around, management by walking around. You're decreasing at least two of the signs of a miserable job, irrelevancy and anonymity. Okay, now now let's get to the third conversation. This-
0: Can I say something really quick? Yeah, i yeah, on, on the quick <laughs> We're yeah. very passionate about yeah. this. <laughs> okay. But back to that point of we can't afford not to do this. and You don't have time to not do it. You, you, exactly. I mean, I, I can't think of a stronger return on the investment of your time than doing something like this. And I think what prevents leaders from taking the leap is because it's, it's one of those things that is very difficult to measure. You know, how do you measure that I had a quick connect, let alone was it worthwhile, and did it move the needle, and what needle did it move? Yeah. You know, we get so consumed with, with pulling levers and pushing buttons that have an immediate output. You know, I, I, I reduce a CNA, well, voila, my nursing labor goes down. I admit another patient, my revenue goes up. We're, we're used to doing things that ca- cause and effect things. This is not a quick cause and effect. It's a long-term investment in your people, and I, building I, a
1: foundation and a culture. I fear
0: people. You know, I can see people probably starting to do this, pouring a lot of energy into it, and not seeing results as quick as they're used to seeing results on other things, and saying. And you know, it's hard. I if you've right been back to what they're doing, if
2: you've been in a building for three or four years and you haven't done this before, and you start doing it, oh. people are going to be suspicious, and Absolutely. they're not going to open up, and they may not be vulnerable, and. The leader going to be feeling very, very vulnerable and awkward. And it's something. So the leader's going to have to, have to stick. Yeah. yeah and and, and, and again, I, I'd
1: reiterate that, that the results in Chase's building are there uh, culturally, clinically, financially. I mean, it, the census is up, uh, you know, reputation, all these things that have come about because they've been willing to build that foundation. And again, as leaders, we shouldn't be building fake results anyway. We need to be building lasting uh, results. I've heard Chase say a lot of times he thinks anybody could go into that building now and it would still just continue to do really well. I'd argue that a little bit. I I think your people still would need to feel loved and and listen to But There are a lot
2: of our leaders that could do very well at the
0: building now. I, I don't know, man. I, I I disagree with you on that. Though.
1: We'll debate <laughs> that another. Maybe. We'll We'll debate that another time. Let's Let's go to conversation three. The check in.
2: Yeah. So the check in, people think of this as the weekly one on one that they do. Okay. I do not do this weekly. It starts to feel very redundant. Okay. Um, there's a few departments that I'll meet with weekly. I'll, Step in and talk to my business office manager. I'll talk to therapy. But you don't do this
1: weekly. I should. I you don't do this weekly because you're doing these initial meetings and because you're doing quick connects. For those quick
2: connects, I know everything. It's crazy. People. I don't have to track down anything because people are telling me everything that's happened the day
1: before. So what's the goal of the check in then? However long you know, if it's weekly or every other week, or what? What's the goal of the check in?
2: So. Just to make sure that they're on, like, show them they're on the right track. That every all their metrics are in line. That they're on track for their goals. That the month is looking okay. Because I usually only do this once a month, maybe so, every so two weeks. So that's
1: what makes it different than the check it, or the uh, the the quick connect is you're actually kind Digging of in a little, talking about data, showing and, and performance, performance, if they're okay. hitting their
2: goals, their budget, that type of
1: thing. Whereas the quick connect is really about them and how are they doing and
0: just constant connection. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. So that's, that's conversation three, the check-in. So the initial is one. The quick connect is two. The, the check-in is three. Uh, let, let's, let's talk about the fourth one, this, this idea of developmental coaching. I mean, the, going from a boss to a coach.
2: So this one is hard and it is an art because we talked about how we're trying to develop people into what they want to become.
1: Yeah, this is leadership development. And it is right? hard to
2: think, okay, you, let's say I have a business office manager that wants to be an administrator. I have to be able to look at them, know them well enough to see where they're ready and where they're not, and to be able to take one of their strengths that will help them get to where they need to be to be ready for it. So it is an art, and this conversation, more than any other one, you have to focus on their strengths, not their weaknesses. Because if you're talking about someone wanting to be an administrator and saying, if you want to do that, you're going to have to fix this, 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 and this, they're going to be feeling demoralized and that they're not good enough and that they need to be fixed before
1: they're so worthy of a So do you, you not job. do any correcting in, in, in a developmental, in this, in this fourth conversation? Or do you do it carefully?
2: I would probably like to say I don't do any of that, but I do uh, uh-huh. because I...
1: Kind so you're saying myself. you try to keep it focused on the positive. Am and I understanding that so
2: right? I, a lot of times they'll bring up the negative. Okay. Of, well, I got to do this. I need to do this and this. I know I struggle here. And so if they bring it up, we'll talk about them. But I try to stay focused on,
1: mm.
2: we need to use this and give you these opportunities. And so usually it's kind of a strategy thing too of we're going to expose you to these areas. You're going to develop this strength to prepare you for this next role.
0: I think in the in the book, or at least in the study, they they reference what it means when a when an employee develops, and they say that an employee develops when they make discoveries about themselves as they perform. And I think I think that can happen naturally. You know, an employee as they clunk through something and work hard at it and realize, oh, okay, this this is clicking and the dots are connecting. But I also think a good coach can can be that catalyst as well as, a, as an employee is performing and there's some gaps on yeah. their performance. A coach can, can pull them aside. I mean, I, I played basketball and, and the good coaches that pull you aside, that te- that, that help you see what you don't see mm-hmm. and then kind of realign you a little bit and then turn you loose and, and continue to monitor So almost kind of label a little bit of what you're doing well and yeah. then, and then teach you to see what, where, where some of those gaps are.
1: Yeah, we talk about that in a lot of our train the trainer sessions. That that a key thing to understand is knowledge is constructed by the learner. Oftentimes, the the coach or the teacher or the the boss or the leader, whatever title you're giving them, is trying to give them knowledge when, in reality, all they can do is help the learner construct knowledge for themselves. So this mm. this art that that you guys are talking about is this idea of really helping them construct the knowledge for themselves of the things that they need to get better at the things that they're doing well and that they should embrace more fully uh, and really coaching them on and, and helping them again the goal feel engaged in all of this right so i think one of
2: the sad things about this conversation is a lot of people avoid it because they're afraid of losing their best people and so they it's think they'll that lose they them don't, because because they're developing they and they're going to be progressing they to you know, they're going to become a nurse manager at a different building or they're going to become a director of nursing or they're going to lose a therapist. Oh,
1: so so you think that they think okay, I might be really effective at this and and I'll lose them because they'll progress and they'll go somewhere else. Are and you okay with that? How am
2: I going to? Re- I am. I love it.
1: So you you've told me you've actually set goals for positive. Uh, uh turnover, is that is that correct? I, or that you've talked about positive turnover? If every single one of my,
2: statistically everyone's gonna leave and I hope that they leave because they're retiring or because they're getting a better job.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And these conversations, sometimes people are scared of having them because they know that people are close yeah. and that with a little work, they're
0: going to be able to get into a better job. And they're scared of what's going to happen when they lose them. Hmm. Well, I think a scary statistic is is 50% of employees are actively looking.
2: You know, this is a scary statistic. 91 of, 91% of employees uh-huh. that switched jobs in the U.S. had to change companies to do so. Hmm. For development. So this is a huge problem across all companies. We're trying to almost hold people where they're at because we're afraid of losing them. But we're losing them because we're trying to hold them where they're at.
1: So I think uh yeah, yeah, and, and, and I've heard you guys say that that one of the keys to employee engagement uh with, with millennials in particular, they if they feel like somebody has a vested interest in their development, they're going to be a lot more, what, four times more engaged in their job, something like that. And so if we are committed to their development, whether we are able to keep them or not, and hopefully we are able to keep them in, you know, in, in one of our affiliated locations. Um, we still need to care about their development. I, I honestly think that one of the reasons why people fail to do this fourth, uh, uh, you know, conversation, is because they don't think they're very good at it. Yeah. I think they're uncomfortable that they're not knowing what to say and how to coach them. And we need to get good at this. I mean, we need to become a leadership development organization.
2: Oh. People need to be vulnerable and reach out to partners and say, "I don't know how to do this for this person."
1: Yeah. How and do I have this and conversation? Get and I or get help
2: to help develop those people. And it doesn't have to be. I think we look yeah. at our top people and say, "We got to make them a don." But the main, one of the most rewarding things I've seen this past year at our building is we had a CNA get a job at our sister facility as an assistant business office manager, hmm. and we announced it in the meeting and people were cheering and clapping, and she was crying. <laughs> and on her last day, she was walking so out with all these balloons and gifts and people are so excited for her. Wow. So it doesn't have to be, huge. we're not that. developing DONs and administrators, we're developing everyone right. to do whatever they wanna do.
0: Well, I love what you said, Chase, where the, these conversations are it can be a little sticky and, and hard to have, mm-hmm. and, and reach out uh, I, I one of the most rewarding things that I deal with in, in my sphere of leaders, which would be kind of the resource team, I guess, and the administrators, is when when an administrator calls me and says, "Hey, I, I've got to have this conversation with this employee. It's delicate. Here are the circumstances. I I don't even know how to begin." Mm. And and it's it's uh, I think number one, it, it strengthens the relationship I have with that individual as they reach out for assistance, and and two, that person is developed. They start making discoveries as we work through yeah. this problem together and they say, uh-huh, that's not as hard as it. Okay, yeah. yeah, that is a good way. And, and then as a coach, you kind of label that and see, okay, now we can apply that anytime we, you know, find ourselves in this situation. So I think it's a really good point of, of reaching out because if we don't reach out, I think what naturally happens is we, we shut up and we hope it just goes away and we hope the employee stops asking.
1: Yeah.
0: And what really is happening is they're looking somewhere else.
2: And every, everyone needs to feel like they're learning and growing. And we have a lot of employees that feel stuck and trapped in their current jobs and that they yeah. don't have other opportunities That's available true. to them. And even if you don't know what to do, it's kind of that Maya, Maya Angelou quote. Just telling them, I think you would be great at this because of this. That alone is going to get yeah. that flywheel of development moving, and they're going to leave feeling so proud that, that a lot of them. you look at them as something
1: or even when you ask them for advice, I, I think of people that I work with who, who oh, ask me, that. you know, what do you think we should do here? That builds me, that lifts me. And, and uh, you know, I've Barry or Spencer or, or others that, that ask my opinion, it's it's uh, it does mean a lot to me. And I don't think they realize that so much as, the, as the, it just
0: does the, for the, me. The favorite things, even to this day, my, I have an office at, at the building I was in at Gateway and probably overstaying my welcome there, but... <laughs> To this day, I'll grab a nurse aide off of the floor, and, and have them come into into my office and and share a, a problem and ask their opinion. And it's fascinating to me to just see their body language of, wait, you seriously want my opinion? Yeah. And 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 half the time they bring a, a an insight. Or just a way of thinking about things that I don't think I ever would have came to so why don't around. we do that more
1: we again we can say till we're blue in the face that uh okay. that uh we you know everybody is equal or but if we don't really reach out for the opinion of our cnas and our housekeepers and and others you know we're actually. We're telling them something, or we're making them feel a certain You're way object. through our actions. Yeah, and and I think we need to to switch that. Okay, so so again, a al- a lot of people are not having any of these conversations. But I'm going to review before we get to the fifth one. So you have the initial conversation. This is really for my benefit too. The initial conversation that sets up the expectations and helps you discover what makes them tick. You have the quick connects that really help break down the anonymity and 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 help with the relevancy. Uh, you have the the check-in, you know, whether it's every other week or how often you're doing it to just kind of go over the numbers and how they're doing. And then the regular, whether it's monthly or or however often you do it, This this developmental coaching is the fourth conversation. So now let's finish with conversation number five, this idea of progress reviews. And sometimes, I mean, in some cases, this is the only conversation people are having, and that's too bad. It shouldn't be that way. And in worst cases, people aren't even having these conversations.
2: Yeah, so the annual review has become the scapegoat for failed performance management. And the biggest reason for that is because those other four conversations aren't happening. Gallup recommends doing this twice a year. and they talk about how it just has to be consistent with those other four conversations. They can't go into their annual review. After and, it's totally those other, different. and it's totally different. You're like, wait, I thought we it's had a really nice great surprise. relationship <laughs> <there."> <laughs> yeah. Um And it, the other thing that they said that we've started doing that I love is we do not talk about pay during the progress review, because when we do these progress reviews and we talk about pay, it almost becomes a pay review. And their performance should never take a backseat to their pay.
1: You know, I found that 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 is so misconstrued by many people. I've heard people say, "Well, I, I you know, I didn't get my annual raise, yeah. and so you owe me back pay." Or, an annual raise is not a right. That what, what where we never should fail is with that, at least that annual review, right? And making sure that that feedback is being had. And we can't say that we believe in accountability. We can't say that we're customer second. We can't say any of those things unless we are very consistent with these reviews, right? And I do like the idea of separating pay from from the actual review. Well, and I think
0: the key is you gotta, you gotta label that. Um, in the meeting it's probably not the right time what i've done prior to it i will let them know we will not be discussing pay in this in this yeah, meeting it's funny cuz i like a week to do or two it in advance
2: i like to do it the opposite way and talk about their pay before their
1: So that it's out of the way i like to get out, out of the way about
2: the yeah. either Steve way likes people to squirm a little <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I, you know again it it sometimes seems like these uh you know all of these conversations we're burdening our managers with more and more, but I, you know, the leaders that I've talked to that get it, they say, I, you know, like you say, I, I, I don't have time, not to do it. Becoming an effective coach is just something that we have to be good at. This is, this is really where our, our, you know, our talent is going to lie, where our value is going to be added. Um, Chase, Steve, anything to add to this before we conclude this on the five conversations? I just think people say
2: they're too busy to do this. And I would love to hear what they're doing that's so much more important than this. Because this is empowering people to do so many of the things that you say you're too busy. Because you're you're too busy because you're doing all these things that someone else could be doing.
1: Yeah,
2: And I think it's also...
1: You're cleaning up messes that high turnover and disgruntled employees and, and disengaged solve. employees would normally stable. solve. And it's almost we overvalue
2: what we do compared to what everyone else does when we think we're too busy to have these conversations with them. When in reality, almost all the work is being done by other people. Yeah. And so I feel spending that time with those employees, empowering them, helping them grow and develop is far and away the best use of my time.
0: Well, I yeah. think that this this is a process that takes time. And and I worry that, you know, a new new administrator that wants to do all the right things by way of their cluster partners, by way of their IDT, and then listening to a podcast like this thinking, how am I gonna cram all this in here? <laughs> you know, I, I would just encourage you to not not get discouraged if you miss one of the steps. this can be a very blended approach and and frankly, I mean, as you listen to to Chase talk about it and, and how we do it, it's not a mechanical thing it's a very blended natural thing. Just start yeah. and just start caring about your people. It is interesting, Steve <laughs> yeah. says that because it isn't
2: we're just starting to try to get better, yeah. and people yeah. love us just for trying. Yeah. And in the beginning, That's we true. had no idea what we were doing, and our sets of still skyrocketed, and our turnover still dropped to thirty percent, just because we tried and didn't even have any idea why mm-hmm. we were doing it or what we were doing it. Why? How we were, we were even measuring it? How? We, yeah, they just loved <laughs> yeah. that they could tell. They didn't feel like different. it was manipulative. They yeah. felt like it was it was
1: genuine. Yes. Yeah. well that's uh yeah i'm 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 hoping that we can as we listen to this as we think about this as leaders that we can kind of change our paradigm and and really change how we think of people. It's not even a a strategy of what lines to use or how to treat people differently, just change how we see them, start to see them with respect, uh be present with them and and uh, again the results that we've seen from the from operations that are really really truly starting to pioneer this idea of being customer second it's amazing uh, what they've been able to accomplish so I'm, I'm grateful you guys have been willing to come in and, and share what you're doing in the in the pinnacle Idaho market to, to kind of pioneer this uh, this idea that we should have been pioneering long ago thanks guys thanks